Would you please turn with me in your Bibles uh, to the next to the last chapter of the book of Revelation? Can you believe it? We're almost done. Um, we probably will be going on to the next study we will be doing, more than likely will be the book of Romans. Uh, I've uh, heard some of you want us to try to partake into the study of that book, and that's what we will do next. We have come now to a place in, in the book of Revelation that is, um, to my looking at it, is like just vanilla. I mean, it isn't type of a message you've heard me say before. Man, if I could, I would love to preach this message all over the world. Well, this particular message is just a, a very, very um, simple explanation, if, if you could call it simple, of, of, of heaven, of this new city, Jerusalem, that comes down out of heaven to the new earth and the new heaven that will be uh, where we will be one day. If you would uh, remember, we mentioned last week out of John, the 14th chapter, the first, the second, and the third verse. Jesus Christ made this statement. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. He says, Believe in God, believe also in me, says Jesus Christ. He says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, he says, I would have told you. I, I love that particular part of this verse. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, you can count on it. In my Father's house, he is saying, there are many dwelling places. Then he says, I go and prepare a place for you. Then he says in verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, and that word if is not maybe I will and maybe I won't, it is since. Since I go and prepare a place for you, I will, he says, come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Now that is exactly what we have been studying so far. We have been told that our Lord has gone to prepare a place for us, and this place is where he will dwell, and we will dwell among him. We will be uh, his people. Our home is identified here in the 21st and 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. In chapter 21, verse 3, we are told by Jesus that he is preparing this place for us now as we speak. That will one day be the place, verse 3, where God and Jesus Christ also dwell among us. So as the Lord says, where I am, there you will be also. And so from Revelation chapter 21, where we'll start today, verse 9, through the 22nd chapter of Revelation, verse 5, we're going to see our heavenly home from the inside as well as from the outside. And we'll see that our Lord is preparing this place for all of us who have trusted and believed in him. We get to see it the best we can through John's eyes. But truly, it's overwhelming. I mean, we are going to take a look at at jewels and, 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 and stones that we have never seen before, the like of which we have never seen before. I'm sure it's, for John to explain this to us, it's overwhelming. It's something that we will truly have to see for ourselves once we get to heaven. First and foremost, if you'll note, when we read through this in verse 10, this is a spiritual vision that John is having. He is being carried away, it says, in the Spirit, John was taken from his exile in Patmos by Rome 
to the new heaven and the new earth somewhere in the future. And as verse 7, as we saw last week, explained to us, this is a place for all who overcome. Now we've studied this before. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, talks about who are those who overcome. It says, those of us who overcome, we will inherit these things. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, Verses 4 and 5, we see, For whatever is born of God, that is the one who overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is pure and simple, our faith. It's not our church. It's not our denomination. It's not how good you are or anything of the like. The person who overcomes the world, our victory is our faith. And then John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5, Who is the one who overcomes the world but the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now that's the comforting part we have for today. That is the part that we plea with you as a, a family. We ask you to come, trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Overcome this world. Your victory is your faith. Here is the one who overcomes, the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, this one who is called the Son of God now has prepared a place, and John now sees it. This new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven from God. It is, for all intents and purposes, our capital city. It is the link between the new heaven and the new earth that our Lord is preparing at this, at this moment. It is central to John's vision. It is, as you're going to see with me in a moment, if you look at chapter 21, verses 10 and 11, it is the holy city Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven. Verse 11, note, it has the glory of God. Now can you imagine? I mean, it's hard to imagine, to imagine the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God shining throughout the universe. John writes, her brilliance was like a very costly stone. It was like a a stone of crystal clear jasper or a, a diamond. Now to fully explain this place, human words are not adequate. It is a place that has never been seen before. It is a place where our earthly minds cannot fully comprehend. But nonetheless, let's read of it. Let's see what the best we can, what God has in store for those of us who love him and long for this place called heaven. You remember last week, I made mention to us that there, there is a statement that goes around this world in which we live. It's kind of a, it's, it's popular. It says, this person is so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. I, I'm sure you've heard that. Well, we, 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 we rebuted that statement last week. Paul says, John says, James says that, that we are to set our minds on the things above rather than the things of this earth. And we learned out of 1 John that, that the, to do so is a, a preventative of sin, to concentrate on the things of God, the things above. And so we are to be a heavenly-minded people. So let's take a look at our home. Read with me, please, chapter 21, verses 9 through 21. And next week we will take a look at the outside of the, the so-called city called Jerusalem. Verse 9, 
John writes, One of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And then in verse 10, John says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance, he writes, was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written on them, which are those of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and Three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and its width and its height are equal. And he measured the wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. And the material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone, The first foundation stone was jasper. And please forgive me if I mispronounce some of these names. The second is sapphire. The third, chalcedony, I believe. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardius, sardius, I believe. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysophrase, I believe. The eleventh, jacinth, I believe. And the twelfth, amethyst. And then he finishes at least this section for us. Verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the streets of the city was pure gold. Just like transparent glass. Folks, the picture that you see of this city, it is a cube. The picture you see of it is crystal clear. It is gold like you and I have never seen before. It is crystal clear. See right through it. The reason I believe is so that the glory, the very Shekinah glory of God would illumine the whole universe. It would shine from everywhere like a a diamond, if you would. Just beautiful in its appearance. Now some have claimed that this city is not really touching the new earth. It is somewhere between the new heaven and the new earth. I don't know if that's true or not. I I don't. Some say it is connected to the earth, but everyone will tell you that it is, as it says, crystal clear, so that uh, the very light of our Lord would shine through every facet of it. Let me show you how I understand that by what we'll see next week. Look down below just a little bit in verse 22 of this same chapter. It says, in it, John said in verse 22, I saw no temple. He says, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Then he writes these words. Verse 23, the city has no need for the sun nor of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it. Its lamp is the Lamb. In other words, the light of this world now is the light of this universe. 
And nothing within this cubed city that is being formed will stop His Shekinah glory from showing, showing throughout the whole universe. It's, it's going to be beyond our imagination. But let's try to explain. Let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us something in this that would be a part of our lives that would be relevant, important for you and for me. Please, Father, do that. I pray that you will bless this study. I pray that you will bring to us a, a light of this new heaven and new earth, this holy city, Jerusalem, that is coming down out of heaven, that, 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 that we will see this will be our home, this will be our place to reside with you forever and ever and ever. And the universe will be our playground, so to speak. Oh, Father, please, teach us well. Open up our eyes so that we do behold wonderful things from your law. And dear Father, please move me aside so that I might not hinder what you want to say to any and every single one of us here. There's something special you have for us this morning, Father. I don't know what it is because I'm a mere human being. But you know, you know the heart of everybody here. I pray you'll bless us all. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. First thing I had noted on this is it's striking to me that in verse 9, the angel that spoke to John was the angel who poured out the last bowl of wrath, plagues, upon the earth. And here God uses this same angel to almost contrast his wrath with his grace. This angel says, come to John. Come with me, and as it says at the end of verse 9, I will show you the bride. I will show you the wife of the Lamb. And then it says in verse 10, he, he carried him away. John experiences all of this in the Spirit. John is transported, if you would, carried away into the future, and now he is going to try to describe these events, these places, these precious stones for us to comprehend. In trying to explain the holy city Jerusalem, we see that it is called the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Isn't it interesting? Our Lord uses the whole idea of marriage to show his commitment to us in this city. To me, that is, that means so much because our Lord says in the Old Testament that he hates divorce. He, he, he hates it. it. It is because there is something unique within our marriages. Now, I, I say that with some of you here perhaps having gone through a divorce. I do not say anything against you on that. that, that that's neither here nor is it there at this point in time. But it is Important for us to understand, gentlemen, especially, to be so careful with the woman that God has given us as a wife. To love on her. To not allow. I mean, I would encourage you from this day forward to not allow a day to go by that you don't express your love and your, your care and your concern for your wife or the women that God has brought into your life. I really do pray that for us. The new Jerusalem is likened by this angel telling John to a bride and a wife because what it does is draw its character from its occupants. Old and New Testament saints forever united to God and the Lamb as in marriage, so to speak. Because in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7, 
the writer says, John says, let us rejoice and let us be glad and let us give glory to him. Because, he says, the marriage of the Lamb has come. His bride, us, the church, we have made ourselves ready. So with the words wife and bride, in verse 9, we see basically all who shall reside within these four walls. Both Old Testament, New Testament saints, all who believe in God, all who are forever united with Him in the bond of marriage. Amazing to me. We see here in verse 10, the holy city coming down out of heaven. Now I want you to hear what the Old Testament saints thought of this, this place. Hold your place here in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, please. And turn to the left, just a few books to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. You'll go past Jude. You'll go past 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter. You'll go past James, and the book right after James is Hebrews. Stop at Hebrews chapter 11 with me, please. I want to show with you, share with you how the saints of old looked forward to what you and I look backward at. Well, actually, that was I misspoke. We look forward to what is coming in heaven. But we look backward by faith, just as they looked forward by faith. Let me show you. In Hebrews chapter 11, one of the great verses that I would encourage you to try to put to memory. It starts off by saying, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, meaning God. Without faith, it is impossible for you and me to please our God. It says, for the person who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Now, I want, to, I want you to note how faith worked in the lives of these Old Testament saints that looked forward to the coming Messiah, the ones who looked forward with faith. I've taught before, in the Old Testament, they had no idea of what the Messiah was going to be like. They had no idea of, of the things that was going to take place upon the cross. They looked forward to the coming Messiah. You and I, we have the privilege. We look backwards, and we look backwards at what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross and His shedding of His blood and, and His dying. And then three days later, as we celebrate Easter every year, He is risen. He is risen indeed. We look backwards at that. But both Old Testament and New Testament saints, we all connect to the cross. And we come there by faith. And without faith, it is impossible for us to, to uh, please our Lord so I want you to note how it works. In verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 11, we see Noah. In verse 8, we see Abraham. In verse 9, we see Isaac and Jacob. And they are called fellow heirs of the same promise. And in verse 11, we see Sarah. What were they looking for? Look at verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 11. They were looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and whose builder was God. It says in verse 13, they all died in faith. They all died without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Verse 14, for those who say such things make it clear 
They are seeking a country of their own. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, and I love the part of verse 16, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He has, just as we have been taught, He has prepared a city for them as well as for us. I wrote down a note to myself after studying this part of the scripture. I wrote down asking myself a question, do I desire this place? And I I answered affirm to that, yes, with all of my heart, with all that I am, I look forward to that day in heaven. I look forward to being with our Lord. I, I look forward to seeing my parents, for instance, our, our loved ones who have gone before us. I look forward to that time. I then ask myself, then, is this heavenly place coming something worthy of me to strive towards? And I answered affirm to that, yes, yes. I, I, I want to live my life so as to live that part of it out here on this earth so that the day when I stand before the Lord by the grace of God, I might as well as you might hear, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your rest. And then I asked a question for you as well as for myself. I said to myself, then I ought to begin to live with that place in mind. You see, just as we saw last week, it is foolish to say that we are so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. On the contrary. On the contrary, our minds should be set upon the things of God. I mean, just yesterday, just a little caveat to this message. Our our television wasn't working, so I had to call the cable person. The guy came, good-looking young man, came and and started to work on it. And and I asked him what I asked almost everybody I come in contact with that I don't know. I said, do you church anywhere? And he just beamed. And he said, what made you ask me? I said, I'm just curious, you know, you seem like such a nice young man. He says, yeah, I do. And he told me the church he goes to, and it's, it's a Bible-believing church. And we talked about, of all things, being one day in heaven. Here's this young guy and me, this old man, talking about this one place that we can't wait to go to. It was really a, a, it was a great time. I, I, I believe with all my heart he stayed extra at, the, at our place. He just, we just visited He didn't sit down, but it was almost like he sat down at the couch and we just talked about our salvation and about our Lord. I I told him, he asked me how I came to Christ and I asked him. And then he started telling me about his daughter and how she's really being a a light for Christ in her her school. And I mean, this guy was uh, special to me. His name was Kevin. I I won't forget him easily. Um, We've got to live with that place in mind to the people we come in contact with. We, you never know what, what experience you and I might be having that isn't God-ordained that for that moment that person needs to hear about your Savior. By the way, he said to me, you were really bold in asking me that. He says, I, I don't have that confidence to talk to people that freely about my faith. And I said, well, we all are, are cut differently, you know. For me, that is an easy thing for me to say. And and. And, but for you, maybe it's just your being kind. And Anyways, we went on a little bit. And we talked about our faith. If you get back now with me to, to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 11, it gives us an insight 
into what this place is going to look like. It, it's going to have the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? It's going to be a brilliance, it says, like a costly stone. It describes the, our city's radiant glow. It's, it talks about the Shekinah glory of our Lord a radiance of light that comes from God. And in, in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 35, for example, it says Moses could not enter into the tabernacle of God. And the reason was, it was because the glory of the Lord God himself filled that tabernacle. So he couldn't enter in. And Jesus Christ was here on this earth. He stood before everyone and anyone that would listen to him, and he says, I am the light of this world. He goes on to say this, Those who follow after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That brilliance of our Savior, the brilliance of our God, speaks clearly of his Shekinah glory. John states in verse 11 that the city's brilliance was like a costly stone. It, it was a stone of crystal clear jasper. When we were studying before out of this book in the fourth chapter, the third verse, that, that was an example, sort of a picture of, of Jesus Christ who sat on the throne. It says, he who was sitting on the throne in, in, chap, in verse 3 of chapter 4 was like a jasper stone. He was like a sardis in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in its, in its appearance. I mean, come on, John, can't you tell us more clearly? No, he can't, because he's never seen anything like this before. It is beyond, it's beyond anything that he's ever seen. He's seen a rainbow before, but he's never seen anything like this. Now, most commentators believe this jasper to be a diamond, crystal clear, brilliant, to allow the light and the brilliance of God's Shekinah glory to be exposed everywhere. As we're going to see, this city has no really walls that you can't see through. I remember when I went and got a, a, a diamond for my wife. My daughter went with me. We went and picked out this diamond. And, and they kept asking me, the, the, the lady that was showing us these diamonds, she says, look, and we were looking, looking through this thing, and she said, can you see, this one has an imperfection in it. And I, I never, I couldn't, not, not in any of the stones I looked at, could I see anything different from one stone to the other. And so I got, after a while, just a little nervous. She kept asking me, do you see it? I finally said, mm-hmm, I didn't really. I didn't really see it. I couldn't see the imperfections. I just trusted that Cassie would be able to see it. I, I also trusted that, that she was honest and she would give us the best stone possible for what we wanted to pay for. it. This, this diamond that we got for my wife was crystal clear and it was brilliant, but it's going to be nothing, nothing like the diamond in heaven itself, that this wonderful city that we will be a part of, where the light, the shine, is the kind of glory of our Lord will be exposed everywhere. And it'll be... It'll be multifaceted. I can almost imagine the lights that'll come from it, like the lights of a diamond. When it hits a light, they, they, they shine off, don't they? Uh, different lights, different shades, don't they? I think. I don't know either. There you go. I have no clue. In verse 12, it says, This holy city has, note, great high walls, 12 gates. And at each gate are an angel, 12 angels. And the names are written on the angels, the names that are written on them are those of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. 
Now you see a lot from verse 12, but first and foremost of, of probably the most important is we see our love, our Lord's love for Israel, naming each tribe. He does not forget the promise that he made before them. We are told in the book of Ezekiel, the 48th chapter, I, I won't read you through it, but it talks about the gates and the, and the jewels on the gates. But in the 35th verse of this Ezekiel chapter 48, it says this about this city. It says, The name of the city from that day shall be, The Lord is there. It is exactly what we experience, what we have learned out of the book of Revelation. That we will be in this place that He will dwell among us and we with Him. Now in 12, verses 12, 13, and 14, the idea of the walls and the gates are not to keep the enemy out. No, there, there is no enemy in heaven anymore. They are there to show us the freedom that we have to come and go as we wish. The angels, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, are ministering spirits. Care for the needs as we come and go from this newfound home of ours. You see, this holy city shall be our home, but the world, the universe itself, the new heaven and the new earth shall be our playground, so to speak. We can go wherever we wish wherever we so desire. And verse 14 shows us God's love for the church, just as verse 12 showed us his love for Israel. In verse 14 it says, The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, each of them with the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The apostles stood for the church, whom the Lamb of God is, has redeemed, has paid for his blood for our soul. We also see Israel and the church both identified within the holy city of God and the Lamb. Now in verses 15, 16, and 17, the angel now comes to measure out the city with, it says, a gold measuring rod. He measures out the city, the gates, and the walls to show us that this is, I believe, to show us that this is our Lord's city and it is real. The city is laid out, it says in verse 16, in a square 1,500 miles. Its length, its width, and its height are equally symmetrical. It is a perfect cube. Now, some may wonder. I, I don't know for sure, and no one really knows for certain on the study that we, I took on this, on the different commentaries. Some, some believe that the city is, is going to come down from heaven and attach itself on the new earth. Others say, Dr. McGee, for instance, believes that the, the, the city will be off the earth, somewhere between the heaven and the earth, and, and, and it'll be just out in space on its own. I, I don't know. But I do know this, that the walls are crystal clear. The glory of God, the light of God shall shine everywhere for everyone to see. Now, if you're wondering, as I did, how will we be able to stay in this place? Is there enough room Someone estimated that this space would cover about 2 million square miles. And they estimated if there were 100 billion people on the earth during its history, and say 20% came to trust and believe in Jesus Christ, that would mean there would be 20 billion people that had to fit into the city. How could we do it? Well, the same person estimated that we, each person would have, if it, that was the size of it, would have a dwelling place of about 75 acres per person. <laughs> That's big enough. I don't need 75 acres. Someone can have some of mine. 
75 acres. It's big enough. In verse 17, to stop all speculation concerning God's measurements concerning this place, he says it is both human as well as angelic. In other words, a foot and a yard for us is a foot and a yard for them as well. And then in verses 18, 19, 20, and 21, we get the materials of the city. The material of the wall is jasper. It means it's clear like a diamond. The city was pure gold, it says. Clear glass. We don't know that kind of gold. Then in verses 19 to 21, we see that the foundational stones of the city wall is adorned with every kind of precious stone. It's going to be awesome. And then John names them. But let me tell you what you perhaps already realize. These stones shall be nothing like you and I have ever seen before. The colors are going to be magnificent beyond our wildest dream. Our words cannot embellish what it's going to look like. There are, they say, these types of colors. White or jasper would be like white or a very light green. The shades of sapphire and and jacinth, I believe, and amethyst is, is blue, but all types of shades from dark to light blue. The, the colors of sardonyx and sardius is red, but a, 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 just a brilliant red, it, it says. And the, the color of crystallite is yellow or gold in its nature, but not yellow or gold like I don't think you and I have ever seen before. By the way, eight of these 12 stones were named in the breastplate that was worn by the high priest in the Old Testament days. The shades and the brilliance of these perfect, precious stones shall be more than awesome. Especially, especially, folks, when we see it through the brilliant glory of the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. It'll shine everywhere. In verse 21, look, it says, The streets of the city were pure gold, like transparent glass. And then we see something amazing. In verse 21, it says, The gates. Each gate was a single pearl. Now, you've got to remember, the city's wall was 15 miles high. I don't know how big the gate is, but one pearl for each gate. One big, giant beautiful pearl. And the streets of the city was like transparent glass. People, these are stones and metals that you and I have never seen before. We don't know of transparent gold. We don't know of gold that is clear. I remember when I, I purchased this a long time ago. I've worn this since I was 20 or 21. I don't remember. I went, went on, a, on a road trip to Mexico City with the Dodgers. And um, I was standing in the lobby, and, and Mr. Mrs. O'Malley, uh, the owner's wife, came downstairs in the lobby, and she said, What are you doing? And I said, no, Nothing, ma'am. She says, Would you like to go look with, uh, for gold with me? And I said, Oh, yeah. What I, I figured she's going to get a deal somewhere, right? So I said, Sure, I'd love to. I was looking for a, uh, something for my parents anyways. And so we went to a place and I bought this 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 particular piece that I've worn forever is 18 karat gold this is I guess as good a gold as I could have gotten um, it's nothing like the gold that's going to be in, in this city we'll never see anything like it until we're there by the way the city is not like 
gold. It is not like pearls. No, it mentions that it is pure gold. It is pearls. It is precious stones, the likes of which, which you and I do not know. It has to be magnificent. Well, for the most part, that's what the inside of this place is going to look like. Next week, we'll take a look at the outside. We'll see that, that the light of this place will no longer be the light from the sun or the moon. Now it will be the light of our Lord that illumines it and illumines everything else in, in, the, in the universe. Well, I want to close with prayer, and then we'd like to, to have a, a moment with you. But let me close in prayer first. Father, we want to thank you for what is our final place that we will, we will live with you forever and ever, at least those of us who have overcome, those of us who have, have victory over this world, and the victory that we have it is by our faith. And so, Father, I pray for every person here. I pray for all of us that we would one day be able to experience this place and, and, and see each other in heaven itself and just enjoy our, our time with one another for eternity. My goodness, hard to imagine, Father. Bless this time. Bless this church. Father, I see great and wonderful things for us while we are still on this earth. I pray you will bless us beyond our wildest dreams. And Lord, now watch over what we are going to say and do. Uh, help Fred and Dan during this meeting and, and any questions that anyone must, might have, may we try to answer them the best we know how. Bless this time, Father, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.